Hey, we have been in a series called Cultivate, and we are studying how to be led and live a life that is completely empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we're using Galatians chapter 5, what we generally call the fruit of the Spirit, as our text. So if you've got a Bible and you want to turn over to Galatians chapter 5, that's where we're going to be. That's where I'm going to get my my scriptures from this morning. While you're turning there, I'm going to tell you a story. And this is a traditional Hebrew story, and it's about Abraham. Abraham, as the story goes, was sitting out in front of his tent just as evening was, was coming up. And he saw an elderly man headed his way. And it was obvious that the man was uh, tired, worn out. He was covered with just the dust of travel. And being a, a good servant, he went out and greeted the man and invited him into his tent. He took the man's cloak off and shook out the dust. He washed the man's dirty feet. And then he had a meal prepared for the man. Now, the The elderly gentleman just dove right into the meal. He didn't stop and say thanks or, you know, pray or anything like that. And Abraham asked the man, are you not going to pray or thank the Lord before you eat? And the man said, "Uh, I don't believe in God, so therefore I am not praying. And this made Abraham so angry that he took the old man and threw him out of his tent threw his cloak at him, threw his staff at him, and said, go away. So as the old man gathered up his stuff and headed on his way, the Lord spoke to Abraham and said, where is the stranger that I sent to you? And Abraham said, well, I sent him on his way because he did not honor you or serve you, Lord. And the Lord said, I've endured him for 80 plus years, although I knew he did not serve me, could you not have endured him for one night and showed him the heart of somebody that does honor me? So, that that story will make a little bit more sense here in just a little bit. Well, it makes sense right now, but I'm going to tie it together. Okay, my, my daughter's down here laughing at me. Stop distracting me. All right, Galatians chapter 5. Starting in verse 16, and I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, so this is probably going to sound a little bit different than what you may be reading. If you're just looking up here on the, scr- on the screens, it's going to look exactly like I'm reading it. So just look up here. All right, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder Him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. Have you ever stopped to think that when we're not living a life led by the Holy Spirit, that not only are we hindering the work of God in and through our lives, but we're actually offending God. I don't want to be in a place where I'm offending God. Amen? 
Verse 19, the cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God. Now, this is a lot easier to do than you may think. Because we think, well, I'm a good Christian, you know, I pursue after God. But let me tell you, even from the aspect of somebody who, uh, quote unquote, makes his living from the church being in ministry, it is a lot easier to chase after things than to chase after God. So often I find myself, and I have to stop and go, okay, God, I'm getting out of balance here. I find myself doing things for God and not things with God. It's an easy place to fall into. Now, this, is no, this, this list I'm reading is not saying you do these things, you go to hell. It's saying that when we're doing these things, we're showing that we're not living a life that's being led by the Holy Spirit. We're not living a life where he is free to flow through us. Manipulation of others. Hatred of those who get in your way. Senseless arguments. You ever had a senseless argument? You're going to have one. <laughs> senseless arguments. Resentment when others are favored. Temper tantrums. Angry quarrels. Only thinking of yourself. Do we ever just think of ourselves? We're pretty selfish at times, aren't we? It's easy to be selfish. Sometimes we even need to stop and think, why am I doing something? Because what we're doing may look on the outside like it's good. Like, we're going to go serve with Hannah under the bridge. Well, am I serving under the bridge because my heart is for those people under the bridge? Or am I doing it to make me feel better? We really need to... To, to watch our attitudes at times because these things, when you're sitting there and you're reading them, you're going, you know, sexual immorality, mm, pornography, mm, you know, these, mm, these hard things. Mm. But it's easy to fall over into some of these things. The enemy doesn't just show up and go, hey, why don't you be addicted to crack? That's not the way he usually works. He moves us. He tempts us. Like he's tempting me to fall off here right now. He tempts us to take little steps. We compromise just a little bit, just a little bit. And I was right here in the center of God's will for my life, the center of where God and I are absolutely connected. But I compromise just a little bit. And I take just a little step. And before I know it, I'm a lot further away than I thought I was. So we have to watch those things. Even as we're looking at this, you may go, well, I'm not really doing that. But does the enemy come in and slide in these little things that's going to cause me to compromise? That's what we have to watch. Being in love with your own opinions. I'm in trouble again. Being envious of the blessings of others. Murder. Uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Now, in verse 22, it says, But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, 
gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Now set the law, never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Once again, we're teaching on the fruit of the spirit. And this morning we're going to talk about patience. I can feel the enthusiasm already. As Pastor Sam and I were uh, talking about this, this series, you know, I had just been coming off of a, a long absence. I had been sick for several months. And I know he was doing this because he loves me so much. He was giving me an opportunity just to rest in my body and to get my strength back. So as we started talking about this series, he quickly said, I'll do the first three. And you take the next one. And I went, love, joy, peace, patience? Are you kidding me, God? Patience? Or as the King James calls it, long-suffering? I mean, come on. Who can't preach on love never fails? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Peace that passes all understanding. Well, we can almost get Pentecostal about that, can't we? But I get to tell you this morning how to suffer for a long time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. But let me tell you what the dictionary says about patience. Now, this is dictionary.com. This is not me translating the Greek for you. This is not me trying to make it say anything except exactly what the dictionary says. This is what the dictionary says about patience. Bearing of provocation, annoyance, misfortune, or pain. Now, everybody in here has borne provocation, annoyance, misfortune, or pain. Have you not? We have all had that come against us. But it goes on to say that when these things come against you, you do it without complaint, without loss of temper, without irritation. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun, isn't it? It also says that patience is the ability or willingness to suppress frustration or annoyance when confronted with delay. I am already in trouble. I am already in trouble because you know what? I may have the ability, but I don't know that I have the willingness. Right? to be patient in, in these things. Now, now I'll throw out a few synonyms for patience. And for the Aggies in the room, that means words that are alike. Okay? <laughs> Composure, diligence, endurance, humility. Have you ever thought of patience and humility together? That it takes humility to really be in patience? So if we flip that over and we're not walking in patience, what is that saying about us? We're not being humble. We could actually say we're being prideful, right? Yeah. Now, a few antonyms or opposite words. Agitation. Fear. I was surprised by that. Fear. When we're not walking in patience, it could be because of a fear in our lives frustration, and impatience. 
Now, what we need to understand is that the fruit of the Spirit is progressive. To live in patience, you've got to live in love. And that love will produce joy. And that joy produces peace. And the peace produces patience. But going back the other way, because I sometimes struggle with patience... You're going to hear me talk about me a lot this morning because I would never put that on you. I struggle with patience at times, and when I do, it steals my peace. It robs my joy and causes me to stumble in the area of love. I'm kind of like a big pendulum going back and forth. If you catch me over here, man, I'm really in love. Man, you catch me on those days when the love of God is flowing through me. Oh, and joy, because the love of God is flowing through me, I've got joy. There's times I'm just like, I love my job. Oh, Lord, I have so much joy in my job. It's so awesome. And when there's joy, you know what? There's peace in that. There's peace being in joy. And when I'm at peace, it's easy to be patient. But there's times when I'm swinging back the other way. <laughs> I'm not being very patient. And you may say, well, Pastor Chris, what in the world would cause you to be impatient? Look at your neighbor. <laughs> Just look at them. That answers your question. There's times that I'm swinging back this way. See, I'm patient with people at first. I really am. I mean, that's, that, that's part of who we are as Christians. You see somebody that's, that's in that proverbial ditch, and they're covered in mud and yuck and nasty. And you reach down there and you pull them up out of that place. And you wash them off. You clean them up. You love them. You walk with them for a while. And then you turn your, your not turn your back on them, but you look away for a moment. And you turn back and they've jumped back in the ditch. But because we love people, you go back over there and you just pull them right back out again. You clean them off again, you walk with them some more, but the moment that you're not paying attention, you turn around, and they're back in the ditch. And this time, it's like, okay, stupid. <laughs> you're figuring out what's going on here? I'm going to pull you out, but, you know, three strikes. Three strikes. So you pull them out, you clean them off, you love them, you hug them. Then you... Take your attention, but you're looking over your shoulder at them because you know something dumb's about to happen. And they start looking in the ditch. And you just come over and go, well, you know you're going in anyway, so just get on in there. And my, my love begins to swing. My patience begins to swing. And I get frustrated. You ever been frustrated? I want to talk. We're going to focus this last part just on the trap of frustration. The trap of frustration. A wise person learns from others' mistakes. So let me share my mistakes. And hopefully you will be wise enough to walk around the trap of frustration. But as you do, please just wave to me and say, hey, it'll be okay, Pastor Chris. All right? See, I've spent a lot of time frustrated. And it's not, it's not a fun place to be. And I finally, after, after a while of, of being frustrated with certain people, situations, timing of the Lord, 
I took it to the Lord, which is where I should have been in the first place. But I took it to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I am frustrated. And he said, I don't want you to say that you're frustrated. In fact, he's challenged me not to use that, that word. Don't say that you're frustrated. He said, define frustrate. I said, okay. So I looked it up. And the definition of frustrate, to make one's plans or efforts worthless. To be defeated. To stop any progress. So when we're saying we're frustrated, because I do get frustrated. I, I, it's, it's an emotional thing. What I'm really saying is all the effort, all the plans that I've put into something are now worthless. That I've been defeated in this and that all of the progress I've made, we're stopping. And God says, that's not where I want you to be. That's, that, that's not the calling on anybody's life in this place to be defeated, to be stopped. And for everything that God's put in your heart to come to absolute worthlessness. Correct? But there's been times in my life where I've become impatient. I've become agitated. Why? And the Lord really kind of had to lay this out for me. Is God ever just super honest with you? You ever feel like he's just paddling your behind? But he does it in such a loving way, it hurts. But like, <laughs> the Lord says, you're frustrated because you're not getting your way. He said, things are not being done in the manner in which you would do them. And change is taking too long for you. Now, let me let you in on something. God does not work on our timetable. If you've never noticed that, you haven't been saved very long. If somebody calls you up and gives you a word of prophecy, you might as well just say, thank you, Lord, fold it up, stick it in your pocket, because it probably is not going to happen tomorrow. It usually doesn't. I'm sorry. There's things that was prophesied over me 30 years ago that I'm just now beginning to see. God told Abraham, hey, you're going to have a kid. 20 years later, he has a kid. See, there is something about God causing us to wait that weeds out those who just don't have a heart to push on with God. And it's not that he's being mean. He's really protecting us. Because if he dumped everything on us that he really wanted for us, we couldn't handle it. So when he says something, he's going, this is who I've created you to be. This is what I see the potential for in your life. Now let's do what it takes to get to that place. And a lot of times... We're the ones that take it longer than he wanted it to take. Let me give you some symptoms of frustration. Being critical. Now, I'm not talking about being a detailed person. Because we, we, we all know those detailed people 
where you can go in and you can clean the whole house, but they're going to see that one piece of dirt or that one thing that's out of place, right? We need those kind of people. There's nothing wrong with that gifting. I'm not talking about being a detailed person. I'm not talking about being a constructive person. I'm talking about being a critical person. A critical person is a judgmental person. Because they think they could or would do things better, or everything would be better if it was done their way. And after we've become critical and become judgmental, we fall in this place of being a complainer. Rarely having a non-negative assessment of anything. You know, it's easy to complain. It is. I tell the staff, you're going to have a complaint, complain up. Complain up. Complain to somebody that can help you fix the situation. Don't just complain to those around you. It's easy to complain. You know, if, if, if you're a complainer, you'll find somebody else that wants to complain with you. And y'all can complain together. Right? And somehow you, you too will think, we have more discernment than anybody else in the church because we see this. And they don't see this. And we're complaining about it. Yak, yak, yak. Right? And what that really brings us into is a place of pride and arrogance. If God has not put you, and this is, this is not a shut up and do what I tell you to do type of, type of thing. But if God has not put you in a place of leadership over whatever you're complaining about, God probably is not that interested in your opinion on it right now. Okay? And what you see may be absolutely legitimate. But once again, complain up. Don't complain to just those around you. Don't complain to those that you are leading. Complain up. Anybody mad at me yet? So here are the results of frustration. It negates the effectiveness of your gifting. See, this is the why, this is why the enemy pushes the drug of frustration so hard. He wants to negate your effectiveness. He wants to absolutely shut you down. And the enemy comes along and he sows these little seeds of discontent. And because it's in our emotional realm, because let's be honest, we love to live in our emotions, don't we? We do. I love emotions. I like feeling happy. I like feeling emotions. But there's some people that are only satisfied when their negative emotions are being engaged. 
And once again, it's not that we don't think that there are issues at times. There are things, there may be things going on in your job. There may be things going on in your marriage. There may be things going on with your kids. There are things going on in the church. And it's not that you're not going to see those. But if we allow ourselves to just be so caught up in our emotions that all we ever are is critical, then the enemy really has you where he wants you. You're not going to lose your salvation, but you're going to lose your effectiveness. God put us on this earth to be effective. So let's be effective. Let's let's not let things get in our way. Let's not get frustrated about things. And you may say, well, Pastor Chris, what in the world would you have to be frustrated about? We have such a wonderful church. We do have a wonderful church. I love our church. But it's, it's easy to fall into that emotional trap of frustration when you deal with the details day in and day out. And you see it. And you know that one of your, one of your best volunteers is on the verge of burnout because they have served 18 of the last 21 weeks. And you say, well, why in the world would they do that? Because there's nobody else stepping up to do it. And this person has such a sense of responsibility, they just won't let it go. But on the other side, it's burning them out. We don't want to be that church, do we? We don't want to be a church that says, well, I'm, you know, I come to church to get for me. I'm not serving. I'm not hanging out with those snotty-nosed kids back there. I might catch some kind of disease from them. What about Hannah, my wonderful youngest daughter here, leading our outreach to church under the bridge? She shouldn't have to beg the church to to provide food. She shouldn't have to beg for people to go out there and help. Right? That's not who we want to be. I know you're busy. We know you're busy. But if you don't have time to stop by Walmart, pick up a Stouffer's frozen lasagna and throw it in the oven for 30 minutes and just drop it off, she'll take it down there for you. Your, your time is way overused. You know, there's another thing that, that can get me frustrated. Since I have a little extra time, I'm just sharing all this with you. When people come up to me and say, you know, I just don't feel like I'm connecting in the church. And I say, well, have you been attending a life group? Well, I don't have time for that. You don't have an hour and a half once a month to help fulfill the vision of the church, which is to connect with others. And then you want to complain to me that everybody in the church is just so unfriendly to you. Get back in the ditch. That's when my love is swinging the other way. (laughs) So what is the cure for all this? You have to understand that you may be the very one that the Lord wants to use to bring change, but because we don't pursue the discipline of patience, 
we become ineffective. We become frustrated. And when we're frustrated, let's be honest, we blame it on other people, don't we? It's that person's fault that I feel like this. If that person would do what I want them to do, I wouldn't feel like this. If my boss would do this, if my boss would just recognize my awesomeness and give me a raise, right? I'm saying that to my boss. <laughs> so what is the cure? Now, this is going to seem so simple, but it is so true. The cure for all of this is prayer. Because let me tell you, if you're not praying about a situation more than you're complaining about the situation, God is not in that situation with you. So we need to pray until we have God's heart about the situation. Because if we will, if we'll ask God to show me, if I've got somebody that, that's frustrating me, I will use my son-in-law right here. You know, it, it, it would be, hey, here's, here's, here's a good Christianese thing, right? You know, they, they talk about Southerners. Southerners will cut you down and say, bless your heart. Well, this is, this is the Christianese thing. They'll, they'll say, well, you know I love, but. And I can say, well, you know I love Chase, but he's dumb as a stump. <laughs> That's not love. If I'm really having trouble with Chase, have I taken it to the Lord? Am I really praying about it? Am I saying, God, let me see Chase the way that you see Chase so I can love him the way that you love him? Change my heart on the way that I see him. And do we pray that when we get frustrated with somebody or with a situation or when time has been delayed... God, this is not happening as fast as I want it to happen. Am I really taking it to the Lord and saying, Lord, show me your heart in this situation? Because if I have his heart, I'm not going to get frustrated. If I have his heart, I'm going to be praying truth into the situation. If I have his heart, I'm going to be walking in love. I'm going to have joy about it. There's going to be peace in the situation. And I'm going to have patience while I allow the Lord to work. So prayer, and then repentance. Let me tell you, repentance does not mean just telling God, I'm sorry for something. The word repentance actually means to have your mind changed about a subject. So much so that you're doing exactly opposite of what you were doing. So instead of being critical and judgmental, I need to say, God, give me your heart on this so my heart can be changed, so I can see the truth, so I can begin to pray into the situation. Lord, I repent of using my words to tear one of my brothers and sisters down. Even though we don't think we're doing that, we're just, I'm just pointing out the obvious. Right? Let's point out the obvious to God. Let's pray about it. Let's repent. M.H. Lount, which was a 
preacher at the beginning of the last century, said, God's best gifts come slowly. Many a man, and I would add many a woman because we're not sexist around here, many a man called of God to a work is convinced that the Lord means to bring his effort to a successful conclusion. We don't ever want to get into anything where we don't expect success, right? If, let me say, if you're going into it expecting to fail, don't volunteer to do it here, okay? We want some success. So many a man is convinced that the Lord wants to bring effort to a successful conclusion. Nevertheless, even such a confident worker grows discouraged at times because results do not come as rapidly as he would desire. Now listen to this last part because this is the most important part. But growth and strength in waiting are results often greater than the end so impatiently longed for. God wants us to see results as we work for him. God wants us to see results. But his first concern is our growth. That's why he often withholds success until we have learned patience. The Lord teaches us this needed lesson through the blessed discipline of delay. He often withholds success until we get in line with him. This is what I want you to know. If you're not living in love, joy, and peace, you won't have patience. You won't be able to endure to the end. Instead, you'll get frustrated and quit or just have a sorry attitude and make everybody else miserable. But what I want you to do, I want you to ask the Lord to recognize and deal with the areas in your life that are stealing the fruit of patience. Proverbs 25, 15, and I end with this. The patience and kindness. Use patience and kindness when you want to persuade leaders and watch them change their minds right in front of you. For your gentle wisdom will quell the strongest resistance. Will you pray with me? Let's just take a quick moment. Is there something that's frustrating you? Is there a place in your life? Is there a person in your life? Is there a situation in your life that is causing you to feel like things will never change? causing you to feel like you've been shut down, you've been stopped? Is the Lord bringing up somebody in your heart that every time you think about that person, boy, your tongue just goes to wagging? What do we want to do about it? Let's just take it to the Lord. If you're sitting here this morning and and the Lord is, is putting his finger on something in your life, 
Maybe it's some unforgiveness towards somebody. Maybe it's some downright hatred towards somebody. God asks us just to take the next step. The next step, what is that? Lord, the best I can do right at this moment, I let go of it. I may be able to do better next week, next month, next year, but right where I am right now, Lord, I give you this situation. I give you this person. I give you my tongue. Lord, I want to see your heart in my problem. Show me, Lord.